Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you that it has the power to change us and transform us. We ask that you'd speak to us by your spirit and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, God is good. So today I want to talk about cultivating your relationships, cultivating your relationships. This was actually interesting last night. I, around 1030 at night, the Lord downloaded this message, just verse by verse, point by point. And I came in and kind of shifted everything. And I felt it was a word for this morning for the church. And I wanted to share it with you. So we're starting in Romans chapter 13, verse 8 to 10. And uh, Paul says here, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandments, are, these are all summed up in this saying, namely, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. All right? And so, so here's the thing, like, when you commit adultery, you are hurting your spouse. You're hurting yourself too, but you're, you're hurting somebody. When you steal from someone, you're taking something that they worked hard to achieve themselves, and you're taking it, right? When you speak bad about your neighbor, when you speak bad about someone, and, and there's false accusations made, you're, you're taking their character, and you're dragging it through the dirt. And so the laws of God, the Ten Commandments, if you look at them, is really, um, it, it's there to keep us in line, right? And what is, what, is, what is special to God? And the Bible says love does no harm, right? So love is the fulfillment of the law. And here's the good news. How many want to hear the good news, right? The good news is this. If you're born again, the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we have the love of God in our hearts to be shed abroad to the world. We can love our neighbors. We can love God. And we don't want to hurt our neighbors. We don't want to hurt the Lord. So the next thing you know, because this love, that love is working through us, we begin to fulfill the Ten Commandments, right? And that's why the Bible says God had to take the heart of stone out of us and give us a heart heart, tender heart that's responsive to his spirit. All right? And so I want to keep reading in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. And do this, Paul says, knowing that the time, okay, knowing the time that now is high time, it's time to wake up out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And so Paul is saying that time is running out, and he was speaking to his people, by the Holy Spirit in his day, but it was for this day. It was for the end times. And we're living in the time where the salvation of the Lord is much closer than when we first believed. We're in the end days. And so what Paul's about to talk about and open up is very, very important for the church. Very important for us to understand. Okay? Therefore, let us cast off the work of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Amen? God wants us to put on the armor of light, okay? Let us walk properly in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness or lewdness and lust. And this is where I want to focus. Not in strife and envy. Not in strife and envy. You see that? But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now, 
Let's not walk into envy and jealousy and strife. Well, how do we do that? We put on Christ. We make a choice to put Christ on, and then we make no provision for the flesh. Now, if you've taken our highway to wholeness, you understand that the flesh is the fallen kingdom of Satan that tempts us with thoughts and impressions. It's a sinful nature that's at work, right? And so we make no provision for that kingdom and that way of thinking. Can I hear an amen? So, and I want you to know this because where we're going this morning in cultivating relationship, Satan hates and his kingdom hates white people, hates black people, hates Chinese people, hates male and female, hates babies. There's hatred behind his kingdom. He hates everything that God created and said it is good. And so the enemy wants to bring strife and envy and debate and wants to destroy God's creation. That's his purpose, all right? And, and, and so because the devil hates all of these people, we have what we call discrimination. We have racism. We have, you know, inequality happening around the world. So we, how many have seen all of this operating in our, in our world? All of that operates because Satan hates the creation of God. And so then that same kingdom of Satan offers a solution through philosophies of man that only make the problem worse. Can I hear an amen? And this is where we're standing today, right? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, say empty philosophies, and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from men. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we talk about, you know, uh, the spirits, principalities and powers and uh, rulers of wickedness in high places. This is the, the invisible kingdom of Satan that's working, that's bringing these philosophies into the hearts and minds of men. That, that it, It's empty, say empty. All right? And so, so it's not coming from Christ. All right? And God wants us not to be captured by empty philosophies. And one of those philosophies in society today is wokeism. And you've heard the word woke. And we're dealing with it in our society. And I want to look at what the Bible says about these issues. And the word woke defined is, is basically, it, it's an English ad adjective, and it actually means alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. And that's a good thing. We need to be aware that that is happening in our world. So we, we are woke to that. We understand that. One of the topics covered is equity, and I've heard a lot about equity, and it's been twisted out of its proper context. The concept of equity is great and totally acceptable. Equality is good. Say equality is good. All right? Uh, we should stand for equality of opportunity for everyone. We as believers need to believe that every person should have equal opportunity to, to be successful and, to, to, and God gives us all equal opportunity to come to the cross. We all have equal opportunity in life. That's, that's God's will. He doesn't put one person group above another. God looks at all mankind and says they've made, been made from one blood. Amen? That's the way God sees it. And so we should stand for equality of opportunity for everyone. But the wokeified version, okay, of equity is very dangerous. Because equality of opportunity is insufficient. Because society has an obligation to make up for the historical discrimination. So everything that our ancestors have done, and we should repent on behalf of our ancestors. But everything that they've done now we're held responsible for. Amen? 
So we're, we're the guilty people here. And it, it brings division and strife in society. And so it also suggests that any differences or observations in a person or group outcome is evidence of discrimination. So if you say, well, so-and-so's a little different, or they, they're really skilled in this area because they're from this nationality, and maybe they special... That's racist. You're, you're mentioning people's nationality. No, I'm celebrating their differences. I love and hold everyone equally, but how many know that we can celebrate our differences? Don't, don't cry out discrimination every time we notice someone has a really good skill. How many hear what I'm saying? And so things are taken out of, out of balance, right? When I lived in Mississauga, I was sharing in the first service, I really enjoyed, I had a lot of friends with, uh, with Asians, especially West Indian people, um, and it's just the community that I lived in. One of the reasons why I really enjoyed my friendship with this community is because I noticed that they had a real sense of loyalty to faith and to family. And I really, I really admonished that, and I would hang out with them, and I found a lot of my white friends, I, I, I didn't enjoy the fellowship because it was shallower. Now, did that make me a racist against white people? No, I was just saying, I really like this, and I hung out with these people, all right? But today, you can't, well, you can't even point out that somebody's different, because if you do, now you're, you're a racist. No, that's, that's hogwash. How many hear what I'm saying? And so, I believe as Christians, we need to address the issues with the word of God and teach our children, listen, we celebrate our differences and we care for everyone equally. Amen? And there's differences between us, but we celebrate them. And so, as believers, we're baptized into Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. We're one people. That's what the Bible teaches, okay? The answer to the issue of equality and equity is in Christ, Nowhere else. And it's hard to even have a conversation with certain people because they get so offended when you start talking about differences between us and say, oh, you're racist, you're racist. And no, I'm not racist. I love all people. I don't see skin color. I really don't, guys. But, you know, this philosophy, demonic philosophy has just been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And our kids are coming home from school. Am I a racist, Daddy? I was told I was racist. No, you're not a racist, honey. You know, that kind of stuff. It's just God's word brings the balance. Can I hear an amen? amen? So what's God's philosophy in regards to this topic? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29, says, For you are all sons of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. So I want you to look at your neighbor. Now, if you're a woman, do not say you are a daughter because you're a son. So I want, it's, and I'll explain it. So look at your neighbor and say, you are a son of God. <laughs> now, a lot of modern translations have taken that out and said, okay, well, we're not going to, we'll just say children. But there's a specific reason why the translation says sons. See, in the Bible, God always speaks to, he, only in a few scriptures he calls you daughters, but in most scriptures he calls women sons. And the reason for that is because in, histor- in, in, in what was happening culturally in the day, sons would receive the inheritance of the fathers. Right? Especially the firstborn. Women, okay, the way they received an inheritance would be they would be married into positions or married into status, but they couldn't get it directly from mom and dad. That only goes to the sons. And so what Paul is saying, you are all sons, say it again to your neighbor, you are all sons through faith in Jesus Christ. 
So whether you're female or male, you have an inheritance from the father. You don't have to get married into it. Does that make sense? And so sons receive the inheritance. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you put on Christ, and I love this analogy because, you know, Iron Man, how many have seen the Iron Man movies, right? Iron Man, uh, this guy, Tony Stark, he's a white guy. He's a business guy. He's a bit of a playboy, whatever. And he's out doing his thing. And he puts on this metal suit and he becomes supernatural. He becomes this superhero, right? And, and when we put on Christ, we're able to do what most people can't do without Christ. We look with different perspective. We have the ability of Christ with us. And, and one of my favorite characters is, uh, is uh, James, James Rohde. And he is actually, you know, he's a black guy. Right. And in the movie, it's really neat because you don't know who's coming out of the suit, because whether uh, James Brody is in the suit. OK, or if it's Tony Stark or it's the computer, no one knows. Right. The suit is flying around and doing all this great stuff. And then it opens up and says, oh, it's not. Even, I thought it was Tony. It's not. It's Brady. What what's happening there? OK, well, this is what's happening when we're in Christ. Paul says, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave or free. There is neither Male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right? So, in the Iron Man suit, black and white is indistinguishable. When we're in Christ, all our differences are indistinguishable because we're in Him. And as believers, when we come into Christ, we adopt that. What the Bible says about this, Acts chapter 17, 26. And he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. One bloodline, and it's red. And we're all one family. Amen? And today, I want to focus more on equity in the church. We talk about racial discrimination and equity among different groups in society. But what about... Equality in the church. What about equity in the house of God? And um, I, I, I like to talk about the elephant in the room. Can we do that? Like, I don't want to always be politically correct. I want to say this is what, what's going on in society. You know, I had this week had an opportunity to talk with an apostle who was saying, and I'm just going to make this very vague, in a certain city, there was a certain church, very big church. And through the COVID restriction time, this pastor and the leadership team felt it was very important that everybody who comes through the doors must be vaccinated to come to the church. Well, that happening, about half the church left the church, and they had moved into homes, and some of them weren't going to church, and they were backslidden, and there was bitterness setting in against the pastor. And then the pastor was having second guessing, like, should I have really done this? And there's all this division happening. So this apostle comes into the situation, he's called in, and he goes to the homes and he starts meeting with the people and they're bitter and they're, they're heartbroken, they feel like second-class citizens, and he prays with them and he says, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to plant two unvaccinated churches and we're going to have the vaccinated church over there, because you need to be in fellowship. And so they started two new churches out of this split. Now, how many know that's not God's will? Right? That's not God's will. And then he went and met with the pastor, and the pastor's second-guessing himself. 
And he shared Romans chapter 14. Because Romans chapter 13 says, in the end days, we're going to see strife and division, all this sin happening, so we have to guard ourselves against it. And then Romans 14 outlines how to deal with discrimination in the church. All right? And um, I'm not interested in what side of the debate you're on, whether you feel I got to do my part to help society and, and, or, or I just want to take care of my own body. And I don't want to be involved with facts. I don't care. What I care about is how the enemy's coming in to bring division and how do we deal with it. And so I'm going to read out of the Message Bible, because it's really clear, how to cultivate good relationships. Verse 14. Welcome with open arms... Fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinion but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. People are coming into the church and they have whole history behind them. Worldviews, the way they were raised political opinions. They're coming with baggage. They're coming with history. They're coming with ideas. And they're coming into the house of God. And then we need to treat people gently, right? Knowing that they have their own history. And, and, and for instance, a person who has been around for a while might well be convinced that he can eat anything on the table, while another with a different background might assume that he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if we felt to criticize what the other ate or didn't eat? God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? Right? We can't cross people off the guest list if God's bringing people into the house of God. We can't cross them off because we don't agree with them. Right? They're coming to hear the word and to be transformed. Right? If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. You know, God's got it. God can handle bringing correction and direction to people when they sit under the word and when they give their hearts to the Lord. How many would agree? Or say one person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy or another thinks that each day is pretty much the same. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the convictions of their own conscience. And so many times as believers, we try to be the Holy Spirit for other people. You know, the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And sometimes we want to be the Holy Spirit, you know. A job's not available, guys. Right? He's there to work in our hearts and in our lives. What's important is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it for the glory of God, and thank God for the prime rib. Amen. amen. Say amen, guys. If you're a vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God, and thank God for the broccoli. I love this translation. None of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. If God, we are answerable to, all the way from life to death and everything in between, not each other. And that's why Jesus lived and died and lived again so that he could be the master across the entire range of life and death and free us from the penalty or the petty tyrannies of each other. So many people calling our prime minister a tyrant. We could have a conversation, you know. 
But the reality is, you know, our, we got to search our own hearts. Are we tyrants to one another? Are we, or do we love and care for one another? I opened this message talking about the love of God that dwells in us to care with one another and to hear each other's story and to go to the word together. All right? So where does this leave us? I'm sorry I'm reading through the whole, ver- it's so good, it's a sermon. So where does this leave you when you criticize a brother? And where does that leave you when you condescend a sister? I'd say it leaves you looking pretty silly. Or worse, eventually we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment facing God. Your critical and condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. Read it for yourself in the scripture. As I live and breathe, God says every knee will bow before me, every tongue will Tell the honest truth that I and only I am God. So mind your own business. Now, just so you know, I don't use a message to to preach theology, but it's a really good translation for what I'm talking about this morning, okay? Because it hits, hits home, right? So mind your own business. You've got your hands full, just taking care of your own life before God. Forget about deciding what's right for each other. Here's what you need to do concerning that. You don't get in the way of someone else making life more difficult than it already is. I'm convinced, Jesus convinced me, that everything as it is in itself is holy. We, of course, by the way, we treat each other or talk about it, can contaminate it. All right? So let's go down to the end here, verse 17 and 18. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach for goodness sake. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right puts it together, and completes it with joy. Your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that, and you will kill two birds with one stone, pleasing the God above you and proving your worth to the people around you. So let's agree to use our energy in getting along with each other. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. You're certainly not going to permit an argument over what is served or not served at supper to wreck God's work among you. Are you? I said it before, and I say it again. All food is good, but it can be bad if you use it badly. Let's go down to verse 22, 23. Cultivate your own relationship with God, but don't impose it on others. You're fortunate if your behavior and your beliefs are coherent. But if you're not sure, if you notice that you are acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some days trying to impose your opinions on others, other days trying to please them, then you know that you're out of line. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. And so I just felt, you know, like I said, I had an apostle reading out of the Message Bible, talking to another pastor, and from this translation realized, you know what, people are coming with history, people are coming with baggage, and who are we to draw a line and say, you, can't, you don't belong here? You know, I was saying in the first service, it'd be good. It's good for us sometimes to, you know, take a Sunday and go over to the Christian Reformed Church, go to the Baptist Church, go, go to um, pick a church and just go and sit and fellowship with the body of Christ and say, you know what? We don't all agree on, the, you know, all this stuff out here, but we agree on the essentials. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And you're my brother and sister. And Jesus did say, he said, it's my desire. He said, I'm praying for all believers. I pray that they will be one as we are one, Father. And God wants a unity in the body of Christ. We have to hold tight the essentials. We've got to hold loosely the things that are non-essentials in the body of Christ. How many know that God wants to see unity in his church? 
Hallelujah. So I share all that to say this, guys. Like, let's be sensitive and gentle with one another and in love work with one another and bring the word of God to the table and be compassionate with one another. For God is love. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. Help us not to be divisive in the church. Help us to love one another, even if we don't think the same in all manners, God. We want to get along. We want to serve you from purity of heart. I ask, Lord, that you seal this word in us today, God, and give us opportunities to share the love of Christ with others. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said? Amen. Awesome. Did you get something from that? God is good. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.